Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It was 50 years ago Monday that people were introduced to the Cunninghams. Hey! Oh, and Fonzie, too. Gary Marshall's beloved sitcom Happy Days debuted on ABC January 15th, 1974. It focused on a 1950s family in Milwaukee. Ron Howard playing the son Richie, his sister Joni played by Aaron Moran, Richie's friends, parents played by Marion Ross and Tom Bosley, and of course, Henry Winkler is the leather jacket wearing Arthur Fonzarelli. Happy Days ran for 11 seasons, spun off the hit shows Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy, and won 18 Emmys. Too bad Jack's not with us. He's sick. He would uh, surely retell the charming tale of his wearing his Fonzie for President t-shirt to the first day of school in, oh, that was probably 1976. I was probably about 11 years old. So I don't know, like sixth grade or something like that. Um, Anyway, he's got got one of the respiratory things that's going around. Um, Feels terrible, so I'm, I'm hoping he gets a diagnosis soon. You know, it's it's just there's there's so much kicking around. You just you put up with it unless you're you know obviously immune compromised or or older or whatever, and, and you have to know what's going on. You put up with it until you feel really really sick. Then you go to the doctor and the doctor does a test or whatever and says, oh, you've got A, B, or C, and you think, oh, interesting. And then the the treatment's the same anyway, generally speaking. Unless you get really, really, really sick. So, anyway, uh, we uh, wish him a speedy recovery, obviously. You for the entertainment value. Me, because this is too much work to do solo. Anyway, we were talking uh, last hour about the situation in Connecticut where the uh, Department of Energy and Environmental Protection is just absolutely out and out lying to the legislature because it's it's staffed by a bunch of environmental activists. And I don't mind you being an environmental activist as long as you're honest. And, and reasonably even-handed in the way you approach what you're going to do. I mean, pollution and mankind's effect on the uh, the, the, the local environment and the uh, climate and the world and the oceans and all, it's indisputable. I mean, we've, we've got to do better. And, and we have done way, way better than the 1800s when you couldn't walk through the streets of London because it was so choked with smoke. 
never-ending smoke and smoke. And the 1970s, those pictures of L.A., or if you're old enough to remember, you remember. It was horrific. So we're doing good stuff. We're trying to get better and better, but at least, for God's sake, be honest. So this uh, Department of Energy and uh, Environmental Protection lying like crazy about if the if the government of Connecticut enacted California-style mandates for electric vehicles. Just a super quick recap here. They severely underestimated the revenue losses from reduced gasoline taxes, according to everybody who's looked at it. They were just lying. And they grossly mischaracterized the 4,000 comments they received on the regulations. They insinuated that the majority of Connecticutians, what do you call people from Connecticut? I don't know. Um, that they were in favor of it. And indeed, an independent group looked at it and said they were three to one in opposition. So there are activists who just lie, 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 lie. And uh, just a little more of this, then I'll, I'll move on to my greater point. Um, and, and then they get into some of the particulars. We can skip that part. But uh, they point out here in the Wall Street Journal that electrical vehicle mandates aren't cost-free. And you might be aware of all of this and still in good conscience be in favor of electric vehicles. And that's fine. Again, if we come at this honestly and with data and weigh the costs and benefits of various policy decisions, I'm 100% in favor of that. Why wouldn't I be? Let's talk about it. Let's figure out what are the challenges we have, how should we meet them? They point out electrical vehicle mandates are not cost-free. They come packaged with environmental, social, and policy implications that sensible legislators in every state must consider. EVs require many times the amount of minerals to manufacture as traditional cars. The cobalt used in many lithium-ion batteries is mined with child labor and near-slave labor in the so-called Democratic Republic of the Congo. The majority of mineral processing occurs in China, the world's largest carbon emitter. Also a slaver and a concentration camp running country and evil and intent on taking over the world. To what extent do we want to enrich them? Maybe it's getting too far into the nitty-gritty. All I know is that we want electric cars. Okay, fine, but let's go ahead and be honest about it. They point out electric vehicles are heavier than regular cars and trucks, which increase costs and burdens on roads, bridges, and tires. Heavier cars are more dangerous. They cause accident fatality rates. In Connecticut, and here's where we're getting close to what, 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 the, the main point of this. In Connecticut, which is mobbed up, and lefty, very progressive, so they want more power to the government. In Connecticut, you're lawfully forbidden from buying a car directly from manufacturers. Now, this is a, uh, a, a favor, a plum, delivered to these car dealers associations because they bribe legislators. You can call them campaign contributions if you want, but they're bribes. Um, and, and sometimes they're more overt bribes. So you cannot buy a Tesla from Tesla in Connecticut. You have to do so only on sovereign tribal land at the Mohegan Sun Casino and Resort. So the state is simultaneously trying to pe tell people what to buy and make it difficult for them to buy it, depending on who is bribing them. So you got the environmental thing. The dishonesty, the zealotry, the neo-Marxism of a lot of these groups who, who, and the reason I invoke the neo-Marxism just briefly is that you hear a bunch of arguments that are all from the same deck of cards. This is racist, so 
we need to tear it down. And I need to be in charge of it. And if you don't let me, you're a racist. This is so cisgender oppressive. This is so transphobic. This is so anti-LGBTQ plus minus BBQ that you can't be in charge of it anymore. I must be in charge of it. Or this is so important to the environment. Anything is justified. You don't get to say anymore, I'm in charge of it. Or you're a climate denier. You're a climate destroyer. You've stolen my dreams. How dare you? What does she say again? Doesn't matter. Notice you have the stolen shame. my dreams. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Right. Notice the shaming and that you're evil. You're not wrong if you disagree. You're evil. And to leave an evil person in charge of something is obviously a, a, a terrible idea, so you can no longer be in charge of it. As the brilliant James Lindsay has put it about uh, critical race theory, for instance, because I think this one's the easiest to, to understand and we see it all the time. Critical race theory is calling something racist until you are running it. Schools are racist. They, they're, you got to be an anti-racist. Are you an anti-racist? Admit you're a racist. You don't admit you're racist. There's proof you're a racist. Now I'm in charge. So it's calling something racist until you're in charge of it. And the climate theory people are the same way, even though they're, again, it's every great scam, a couple of pearls of wisdom for you. Every great scam is 80% true. Because people see the 80% and think, well, I guess I got to go along then. This must be true. But it's that 20% where you get ripped off. And I think the climate thing is, is at least 20% fake. So anyway, you got the, the, the Marxism thing <clears throat> at work. And then the, uh, the thing about Connecticut, how they have those absurd regulations. And the government is allowed to lie about the data and the the tax money and the the comments from the from the constituents and the rest of it it's all about the government having so much power there's not a lot you can do about it which leads us to a, a clip a doctor friend of mine sent that I thought was absolutely terrific it's in it's it's like a TikTok video um, and it, and so it's it's the same dude playing two characters but he uses kind of different voices and you'll get it and this is a bit of a different topic, but it's a huge one, hugely important for you financially. And it is so mobbed up by people who have bribed the government. And I happen to have, you know, as a guy getting on in years, doing okay financially, and I play a lot of golf, I happen to know a fair number of doctors. And so I talk to them and I ask them a lot of questions about this stuff. And and I will tell you this, there is nothing in what you're about to hear that any of my doctor friends would disagree with. Final pearl of wisdom before we play it. I heard it a number of years ago, and it was one of those uh, one of those quotes that absolutely got stuck in my permanent file. And the quote was roughly this. If you give more and more power to the government, more and more money, but it all ends up being power. If you give the government more and more power until they are a super giant force in your country, in your society, do you think that super giant force is going to serve the little guy? You think with all their wealth and power and status, their priority is going to be serving not the people who give them that money and power and status 
and who they party with and their kids go to the exclusive elite schools with, you think... You, you, you know, lefties in particular, you think you're going to empower the government and they're going to serve you? You're a fool. To wit, Michael, clip three, please. Uh, hey, boss. Timothy, come on in. We're celebrating. Oh, uh, somebody's birthday? No, it's the 13-year anniversary of doctors not being able to own hospitals. Doctors can't own hospitals? Uh Uh-uh. We slipped that into the Affordable Care Act back in 2010. Now only the most responsible and upstanding entities can own hospitals. Oh, you mean like private equity firms, health insurance companies, and churches? Exactly. You do know that physician-owned hospitals have better infection rates, better patient satisfaction, and overall lower cost of care. Counterpoint, they're awful. They cherry-pick only the wealthiest patients. Actually, an independent peer-reviewed study showed that physician-owned hospitals have virtually identical proportions of Medicaid patients and racial minorities compared to other hospitals. Well, that's not what our studies say. What studies? You see Teddy over there? His job is to write papers about why doctors are terrible. So you're quoting studies that are published by hospital corporations? Are they peer-reviewed? I send them to the CEO group chat. They love it. Yeah, by the way, where are all the other CEOs? You're the only person at this party. Well, we uh, consolidated all the local hospitals around here, so it's just me. Oh, I see. So you prevent physicians from owning hospitals and form one giant hospital corporation, thereby limiting patient choice. That's right. It's amazing how much you can jack up your prices without any competition. Okay, well, have a nice party. Oh, wait, wait, Timothy, you, you want to stick around? I brought board games. What game? Monopoly. There you go. We need to get Craig Gottwalls on again to talk about the actual results of Obamacare. And you might be in favor of a government-administered way for people who don't have health insurance through their jobs or whatever to have health insurance. I mean, it's a discussion worth having. The, most of the industrialized world has that sort of thing. Again, let's let's be honest about all this stuff. Um But in order to get Obamacare passed, Obama and company tucked in, in that famously 2,000 pages, gigantic windfall profits for insurance companies. Hospital companies gave them monopoly powers. They bribed the bejesus out of them to get them to go along with this giant scheme. So it was arguably, if you're in favor of some sort of government-provided health insurance, and a lot of people are. It was doing the right thing in a horrifically wrong way, at best. Any questions, comments? You can drop us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Are you a doctor, a medical professional? You've seen how this actually works in real life? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. More to come. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu The Armstrong and Getty Show Here are tonight's nominees for Outstanding Live Variety Special Elton John Live Farewell from Dodger Stadium Now I can't speak for Elton but he got to be excited about that the best in musicals that were based on movies which will probably be movies again there's nothing wrong with that absolutely that's uh tina fey and amy poehler from the emmys uh they're funny ladies uh yeah elton got his egot uh, that's uh, you've won an emmy a grammy an oscar and a tony i'm only four short still dreaming the dream congratulations to elton uh, you know, I think what what would be the most uh, likely? Maybe like a uh, you know what the most likely thing I would win would would be would be a uh, an Oscar for best original song in a motion picture. And you're thinking, wow, that's some ego, right? Well, I've written many, 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 many songs, and most of the songs who win that award suck. I've, they're garbage. They're schmaltzy crap who nobody listens to two months later. So can I write something of that quality? By golly, I can. <laughs> anyway, congratulations, Delton. Uh, speaking of the Emmys, I just came across this story, and it's, it's, it's nuts. How is this not better known? ESPN. So it's just come out that they had a years-long scheme to use fake names to win Emmys for ineligible talent. And I mean, specifically, like um, College Game Day was this, the program that they did this most, I guess. On air talent were ineligible to receive awards in individual categories like student, studio analyst, or outstanding host. 
um, because of various Emmy rules and, and the nature of the shows and that sort of thing. So to get around that, the talent on the show, like if you're a sports fan, you know these guys. If you don't, it doesn't matter. Lee Corso, Chris Fowler, Fowler Kirk Herbstreet, and some other people were listed under associate producers under fake names. Lee Clark, Chris Fulton, Kirk Henry, Dirk Howard, Shelly Smith, and Gene Wilson, which were all made up. And and so as associate producers, they got awards. Then ESPN would take those awards and have them re-engraved and give them to the on-air personalities. As a result, well, somebody figured this out, and as a result, 37 statuettes have been returned thus far with more potentially still connected to the scheme. Now, I don't give a crap who wins an Emmy and who doesn't, or who wins a legitimate Emmy, or cheated to get their Emmy. I don't care. (laughs) Go ahead. I just think it's funny. I also think it's strange that they got away with this for so long, and then somebody busted them, and they're now shamefacedly returning those Emmys. Nice job, ESPN. Uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the only value in the Emmys is knowing, hey, people really, really like this show, and there's so many damn good shows out there, you might as well know. Succession cleaned up, won a bunch of different awards. The Bar and Beef. I don't know from Beef. It's got a couple of Asian people in it. I know that. I'm not trying to be funny or smartass or, or, or controversial or anything. I just literally know nothing about the show, but I do really enjoy beef, so maybe I'll watch that. Hour 4 coming up. If you don't get Hour 4, subscribe to our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Have a good one. Armstrong and Getty. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. I ate nothing but the Costco hot dog meal for the past week to see if paying $1.50 for a glizzy and drink was worth it for seven days. And here are the results. I ate 29 hot dog meals for a grand total of $43.50, one-fourth of what the average millennial spends on food a week. I also might have started a new diet trend on accident because I lost 4.2 pounds in seven days, or I have a giant tapeworm. And to my surprise, I never got sick of eating hot dogs once despite my bowel movements resembling Willy Wonka's Chocolate River. So was it worth it? Are you kidding me? I Balled on a budget, lost weight, and had the culinary experience of a lifetime? Absolutely. Wow, that was objectionable on several different levels. We're going to have a staff meeting after the show to discuss it. On the other hand, um, interesting. Uh, yeah, the, the the way a lot of diets work is uh, you get so tired of the repetition, you just don't eat as much. Because you think, oh, God, another what's it's. Um, and he said he never got tired of it, but I guarantee you he didn't like eat early or have an extra one because he was so craving yet another hot dog. Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, how things really work, <clears throat> I was thinking just last night, I was, I was uh, in the living room watching football. Uh, too much football. And uh, right next to me there on the end table is Henry Hazlitt's classic uh, Economics in One Lesson. And I have this, I don't know, I have this desire. I think a lot of people do as they get older in life that they really want to pass something on to uh, future generations. And, and I would love to teach a college class or maybe a high school class. But who has the time? I already have a full-time gig, takes all my time and energy. Um, and uh, But I don't know, maybe someday I could see it happening. The career will probably go kerblooey at some point. Um, but one thing I'd like to teach is how money works. I think that's what I would call it. And we would deal with a number of different things from, you know, the obvious compound interest, uh, both in your favor and at your expense with, you know, savings accounts and investments versus credit cards. Uh, inflation, how inflation actually works. Um, you know, a variety of uh, basic investments, the pros and cons of renting versus owning, just basic economics, personal economics. I minored in economics. It was almost a double major, but I had to take two more classes in who has the time um, at the University of Illinois back in, in, in the day. And I tell you what, you want to hear everything I remember from all those classes? Give me two minutes. It was so much theory and long formulas and complex concepts of developing economies relationship to developed economies colonistic mercantilist you know bull crap um and just not terribly useful but i just think a how money really works class could be super useful and i know there are some school systems that do stuff like that every time we bring this up we get uh, emails from folks who whose school systems do that. And I think it's admirable. I think it's wonderful. Good for you, and good for you people teaching them. Um, but that I was reminded of that when I came across some really interesting information on housing costs in the United States through the year. Specifically, uh, I, I like this the title of the article: "The Average Cost of an American Home in the Decade You Were Born." And they go from the '40s to the '80s about uh, the U.S. housing market and how it spiked. And part of this is, um, and yes, it's adjusted for inflation. Of course it is. Otherwise, it'd be useless. There is something charming to hearing that the average cost of the home in the United States, a home in the United States, was $2,938 in, the 19, in 1940. 
just under three thousand dollars a home in nineteen forty. It's just kind of funny. But it's much more interesting and relevant to know that inflation adjusted in twenty twenty four dollars, that home would cost just over sixty four thousand dollars. Now we're getting somewhere interesting. So What's the difference? Why is housing so much more expensive now? A lot of you have already answered. You've buzzed in. Congratulations. Uh, Two things. Two things in particular. Number one, good old supply and demand. Their eternal dance continues. Most people want to live near where they're going to work. And more people live in and around cities than uh, rural areas, especially given the transition from an agricultural economy in the last hundred years to a much more uh, industrial and then service oriented economy with some industry and agriculture left. But mostly it's it's uh, service industries anyway. um, So the amount of land available around cities close enough that it makes sense to live there has shrunk tremendously as it's gotten filled up and uh and and the number of houses available to build to expand uh, to to uh, equal the population growth has gotten much more challenging so it's a combination of vanishing land and population growth very easy to understand um it, just a couple of examples uh i mean you don't need examples do you wherever you live whether it's uh suburban sacramento california which went from countryside to booming metropolis in 30 years or Judy and I lived in Charlotte in the early 90s. We went back for the President's Cup golf thingy a couple of years ago, and it was just astonishing to see the growth of Charlotte, North Carolina, and, and just how we lived on the outskirts of the outskirts, and now we're in the middle of the middle, <laughs> or our house was, I should say, in the middle of the middle. Um, so that's very simple to understand. Also, and this is very little discussed, uh, how big was the, anybody who's, say, 50-plus, uh, rich people notwithstanding, just, you know, most of us, the, the unwashed masses, how big was the house you grew up in compared to the house you live in now or the house your kids grew up in? Uh, I have a feeling many people answered it the same way I did. It's a, it was a hell of a lot smaller. It was. I, I need to look it up. I've looked it up before. It was less than 2,000 square feet, the house I grew up in. We were a family of five. Um, and, and it was cozy, definitely. There was no, we, we did not have a, a living room and a sitting room and a parlor and a family room and an ante room. <laughs> uh, uh, we just had a handful of rooms. And, and if, if I needed to disappear, I would either be in my room or much more likely in the one room in the house, the living room that had a stereo with my headphones on. And I would disappear in my headphones. Um, but we were happy and we had good lives. Uh, my house right now is significantly bigger than the one I grew up in. And I like it. But um, it's just been a trend. It's something we as a people have done with our money as our affluence has grown. Anyway, uh, going on and on. Let's get back to the statistics. So inflation adjusted. The average home in the United States cost under $65,000 in 1940. Compared to 1940, today's prices are 22 times as high as the average price 80 years ago. That is amazing. <clears throat> but that's not adjusted for inflation. So that's practically useless. In 1950, 10 years later, the average cost of a home jumped to $7,300. That's 93000 in modern money. Why don't we just go with modern dollars, inflation-adjusted dollars? Otherwise, it's too many numbers. So we went from 64000 to 94000 64 to 94 in 10 years. Adjusted for inflation. 
1950, we went from 1950 to 1960, I should say. We went from 94 to 123 grand when adjusted for inflation. Back in 1960, it was actually $10,000. But anyway, so wow, that is quite a jump adjusted for inflation. 93 to 123. Then from 1960 to 1970, we went from 100 and. Uh, oh, wait a second. What, what just happened? Uh, from 1960 to 1970, we went from 123 to 213. Then by the end of 1975, it was up to 233000 And by the end of the decade, the average cost of a home in the U.S. was inflation-adjusted inflation $305,000 in 1970. So we went from 64 to 93 to a... Well, essentially, two hundred fourteen grand. By the end of the uh, decade, it was three hundred and five thousand uh, dollars, and then uh, adjusted for inflation again from nineteen end of the nineteen seventies to well into the nineteen eighties. It was more like three hundred seventy five thousand um, dollars, which is just something. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, stay tuned. They're going to go into the twenty first century later on. We'll get to that later on as well. Um, but the the one takeaway, well, there are a number of takeaways from this. Um, the way economics works, the way uh, housing choices and tastes have changed. And also, and I say this as a dad with, uh, let's see, my kids are 24, soon to be 30 and, uh, and 31 years old. Um, housing prices are brutal for the young. So, man, I'll go on about snowflakes and how easy it is and great inflation and you don't learn anything and blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll gripe about the young. I'll be old man yells at clouds. You know, I'll be among the best old men yelling at clouds and impugning the young if you want that out of me. But I will tell you this. Young people are up against it when it comes to housing costs. Holy cow, are they getting... Well, I almost said getting worked or getting job. That implies they're being ripped off. I just think it's a reality. Um, and there are some other factors at work, but this is not a real estate class, so I don't want to get crazy complicated. But, uh, yeah, man, the young are really struggling when it comes to housing, and it is just brutal. I looked at, you know what, I ought to do this right now. Can I do this on the fly? Uh, well, we kind of went through this. Uh, uh, let's see, inflation... Calculator. There it is. Because uh, Judy and I bought a crappy house, our first house, together in 1990. It was uh, a, a HUD repo. Thank you, Gladys. Um, it was a... Uh, somebody had a HUD loan, a housing and urban development loan. So it was kind of like working class, uh, paycheck to paycheck neighborhood anyway. And somebody had gotten a HUD loan and then defaulted on it. And uh, and it was a months-long process to, to repossess it. And during that months-long process, they ruined the place out of just being a-holes, I guess. Um, so uh, let's see, 1990. But, you know, a, a crappy fixer-upper is what young people frequently buy. So it wasn't that weird a uh, a circumstance. I mean, you could kind of compare it to the modern day. So anyway, there I am. I'm finished typing in my numbers. 
Um, so that HUD repo, beat to hell, sweat equity um, house that was like the cheapest we could con- conceivably find in Salina, Kansas, by the way, and not in the like the nicest part of Salina, Kansas, it was $40,000 at the time. But let's go ahead and adjust for inflation. Think about the housing prices around you now. Entry-level, hardworking, but not very uh, financially comfortable couple, willing to take on a big old fixer-upper, Adjusted for inflation, that's $93,000. Can't buy, buy a freaking garden shed for $93,000 in a lot of the country. It's expensive. Anyway, uh, we've got some newsy stuff to finish with. Coming up in a moment or two, we're going to finish strong. And as always, or usually, uh, when we make reference to a really interesting article or whatever, and we think you might want to share it with your friends, it's going to be at armstrongandgetty.com under hot links in the next hour or two. Have a little patience. We'll get it up there for you. Armstrong and Getty. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from uh, zero and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%. And that's a, an amazing job. They all did. I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together. So for all of Iowa's, uh, you know, limitations as a predictor of anything, uh, winning Iowa doesn't say you're going to win. Uh, the Republican nomination. It hasn't in the past. And it's, you know, almost exclusively white. Um, for instance, uh, Trump's victory was just complete yesterday. It was monumental. You got 51% of the vote or so. Uh, DeSantis and Haley more or less tying around 20%. The particulars don't really matter. Vivek was at uh, about 8%. And he dropped out. All those votes will go to Trump or virtually all of them. Um, and that 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 ship has sailed. Uh, if you like a sport, you kind of like to hear the commentary around it. And, and politics is the same. Uh, I was, uh, although I mean, my God, you you, you come across everything. Uh, I saw this in the Federalist. Ron DeSantis failed spectacularly in Iowa, but it didn't have to be this way. And I thought, wow, that's interesting from the Federalist, who are very, very Trumpy. Um, and they said, yeah, it's because he dared to uh, criticize Trump at all. He shouldn't have it all, ever. Uh, man, he was so easy on Trump for most of the campaign, you didn't even notice if he ever said anything even slightly critical. So that's that's an interesting take. Uh, other takes that I think are are significant are... Uh, mostly that it's over, you know, barring some sort of crazy Nikki Haley victory in New Hampshire. But even then, New Hampshire famously lets independents vote. Um, and so if Nikki Haley wins over a decent chunk of Republican moderates and then a bunch of independents who aren't Republicans at all, that doesn't prove anything. On they go to South Carolina, her own home state, where Trump is polling ahead by, I don't know, 20, 30 points, something like that. It's a crazy gap. Um, and uh, and the one bit of commentary that I thought was was reasonable, because it was not a statement of what is, it was a statement of if, 
the only way Trump doesn't just dominate Iowa is if all the polling is completely wrong. Well, the polling wasn't completely wrong. If anything, it underestimated his uh, support, except for this caveat. The networks called the race before thousands and thousands of people even got a chance to caucus, to cast their votes, to, to argue about it. Uh, DeSantis says they even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. Uh, his uh, campaign manager said, I personally spoke in multiple precincts, and while I'm presenting and delivering the closing argument for Ron DeSantis and actually flipping voters, people starting started getting alerts on their phones saying the race is over. A spokesperson for the campaign described the early calls as election interference. Two comments. It wouldn't have helped DeSantis. It wouldn't have. I mean, if they hadn't done that, he would have lost big anyway. That is self-evident. Point number two, it's evil to do that. It's evil and un-American that the media does that to get clicks and viewers because you got to let people vote. Don't tell them the election's over before the election has happened. Point number three, there's nothing we can do about it that squares with the First Amendment. I've thought about this long and hard. We just have to put up with it and find a way around it. If you disagree, feel free to weigh in at some point via the usual means. Let's get a final thought from everybody who's still standing, including Michelangelo. Final thought? Yeah, earlier we played a clip about a guy that was living off of Costa, Costco hot dogs. I would like to try that uh, challenge with the Costco pizza. I think I could do it. I could do that for months. Katie Green, our esteemed newswoman, final thought? One thing I haven't had in years, and I used to frequent Costco when I was in college, were the chicken bakes. Oh, I don't know if you've ever had the chicken bake, but you have to give it a shot. What is a chicken bake? It's like a puff pastry with chicken oh, and cheese. It's and awesome. Like ranch what is the matter thing? with you people? Everything. Only organic, unprocessed, only free-range chickens that have their own 1,200-square-foot apartment <laughs> with a recreation center and gym. Uh, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another four-hour work day. So many people to thank. So little time. Certainly hope uh, Jack gets better. If you would like to weigh in on the topics of the day, hit us with an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Go to armstrongandgetty.com for the hot links, all the articles we refer to, interesting information to send around to your friends. Pick up a T-shirt or a hat or a sports bra or something, would you? Helps keep everybody on the payroll. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. Their behavior has been nothing short of uh, thuggish. Yeah, I don't think you go through that type of experience and don't emerge change. I expected more. It's a pathetic spectacle. You're locking up my toothpaste. What in the hell heck are we talking about? So let's go out with a bang. Uh, God is a Republican. <clears throat> take two. God is a Republican. <clears throat> take three. <laughs> Michael, how much tape do we have? Probably ought to check. <laughs> On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.